Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Morning Devotion. All sorts of technical issues this morning. I don't know. I don't know. It's just one of those days. One of those days. Good to see you this morning. Mary, Helen, June. Happy that you're here. Thankful that you're a part of this. Winnie D, Jan, thank all of you for your great service last night. Homegoing service to Brother Larry Porter. And uh, this morning, we'll be leaving in just a few minutes to journey with the family to lay him to rest in East Texas. A beautiful, meaningful tribute. So many words from family and friends. Thank you for that. Thank you for saying some prayers and leaving prayer requests out to the side and just just finding something beautiful in today and seeing some great things happen all during the day. I'm, I, I welcome you here this Tuesday, May the 11th. We've got a great subject here, windmills and tumbleweeds, unlearning discontentment. That's a pretty good one, folks. If I ever had to Pick a title. I think this would be one of those that you just have to say, yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. This is a good one. It was actually 33 years ago that I, when I began pastoring in Pearland, I, I came across this phrase, windmills and tumbleweeds, and I never forgot it. And it just, it just jumped out at my attention this week. You may have re- read the, about the town in California that is being overrun with tumbleweeds. You can look at the news stories, two stories high, tumbleweeds up against the house. The bigger the house you have, the more the tumbleweeds. The more the stuff you have, the more the tumbleweeds. And I'm just reminded of that old comparison, that old comparison that came to me 33 years ago, windmills and tumbleweeds, unlearning discontentment. Welcome, Indy family. Thank you for making life more enjoyable, more endurable, more tolerable during this day. Leave your prayer requests, like, share, follow the page. Spread the news. Spread the news. Why is it that mankind, humanity never says, I have enough? It was a few years ago that people were asked, how much money would you have to make each year to fulfill the American dream in your life? And it didn't matter how much they made. It was always twice that much. If somebody made 50000 they'd want 100000 100000 200000 and so on and so on. In other words, the American dream is always just a dream. It's beyond our fingertips because humanity says it's never enough. And isn't that the lesson of paradise from the very beginning of the book of Genesis that man wants what he doesn't have and discontentment stalks us, the desire for more, the desire for elsewhere, the desire for something new. I I read a little story a while back called A Lesson from Two Teardrops. Two little teardrops were floating down the river of life. And one tear said to the other, who are you? Said the other, I'm a teardrop from a girl who loved a man and lost him. Who are you? And the the other one said, well, I'm a teardrop of the girl who got him. Yeah. 
That's the source of two tears. We cry over what's missing. We cry over what we've got. Discontentment runs rampant through this stream of humanity. Uh, one, one saying that went around a year, years back, as a rule, man's a fool. When it's hot, he wants it cool. And when it's cool, he wants it hot. Always wanting what is not. Yeah, that's the truth. Man's wants always exceeds his needs. It was William Randolph Hearst, and maybe you've been to the Hearst Castle on the West Coast. He invested a fortune in collecting treasures, art treasures from around the world. One day, Mr. Hearst read the description of a valuable art item, which he sent his agent abroad to find. After months of searching, the agent reported that he, sheepishly that he had found the treasure. And to the surprise of Hearst, that priceless masterpiece that he searched for was stored in none other than the warehouse of William Randolph Hearst. The answer, the answer is usually not far away. It lies in the catalog of your own treasures. Pick it up and count your blessings one by one. And think about what God has done for you. Can I get a witness to that? Amen. Why that, Mary, I believe that with all of my heart. Part of the answer to chase away discontentment is just count your blessing and count what you have with gratitude, being grateful for what you've done. You remember the story of Naaman's vineyard in 1 Kings 21. King Ahab said, I want your vineyard. Naaman said, it's not for sale. It's inheritance. I, I, I can't sell it. I won't sell it. King could not understand because to him and to the carnal of this world, Everything and everyone has a price. Discontented people always have a price at which they're going to sell out. So be appreciative of what you have. Yeah. Count what you have and then count what you've lost as gain. I believe that's another part of unlearning discontentment. It was in the fifth century, a man named Mercinius determined to live a holy life. He abandoned the conforms of Egyptian society and he pursued an austere lifestyle in the desert. But he went to visit the great city of Alexander and he would go through the Alexandrian bazaars and look at all the things. His heart would rejoice at the sight of all of the things he didn't need. That's it. Affluenza. We are living in a society flooded with things. Do you know a typical supermarket in 1976 uh, stocked 9,000 articles? Today it stocks 50,000 articles. How many of them are absolutely essential? How many superfluous? Learn to be content with what you have. That was Paul's great philosophy in Philippians. You read the book of Philippians and I don't know about you, but it sort of condemns me. It's not condemning. It's not a condemning book. It's just one of the greatest messages of contentment in the Bible. And there's just something reading about Paul's contentment that just grabs me. Paul was in prison, but Paul could rejoice. Paul was writing to a town where he had been in prison 10 years earlier. And there too was Silas. He had rejoiced. I'm looking at a man who has discovered the secret of incredible contentment, and it begins with unlearning discontentment. Paul, 
Paul said in Philippians 4 here, he thanks, he thanks God for the people's generosity. That's Philippians 4.10. He, he just said, thank you. Thank you for helping me, supporting me. He acknowledges their generosity, but something curious. He thanks God for their generosity. Why is it? Paul recognized that God had provided for them, and through them, God had provided for him, and the source for both was God. If we're going to unlearn discontentment, we've got to get back to God and attribute everything to the work of his hands. A paycheck, it's a gift from God. It's not the strength of our own hands. It's not our genius. It's not... Uh, it's not our technical abilities, our educational abilities. Uh, no, it's from the hands of God. Paul also recognized the Philippians, they wanted to provide for his needs, but they had lacked opportunity in the past. He said, that's okay. In verse 11, he just says, I'm content. I've learned, I have learned whatever state I'm in, they're with to be content. I'm just content. Paul acknowledged his needs were being met. He wanted for nothing. He knew how to be exalted, a base. And he alludes to something that expands on the next sentence. He said, I have learned. You have to learn contentment and unlearn discontentment. That's where Paul said in verse 12, I I know how to be lifted up. I know how to abound. I know how to prosper. I, I know how to be full, but I also know how to be hungry. I know how to prosper, but I also know how to be in need. I've unlearned discontentment. I can I can be calm no matter whether I'm being blessed or blasted, in plenty or in famine, because Paul's source of contentment is found in the next verse, the one one of the most often quoted verses of the Bible, I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me. And that was in the area of contentment. It reminds me of a quote uh, from 19th century writer Charles Kingley. We shall be made truly wise if we be made content, content not only with what we can understand, but content with what we do not understand. The habit of the mind, which theologians call, and rightfully so, faith in God, faith in God is so powerful in a contented life. How do you discard? How do you unlearn discontentment? I read the story not not long ago of Joni Erickson Tata, age of 17. She and her sister went for a swim in Chesapeake Bay. She dove in, knew something was wrong. A tightness enveloped her. She thought she was caught in a fishing net, tried to break free, couldn't move, lay face down at the bottom of the bay and would have remained there, but her sister pulled her out to her sister's surprise. Joni couldn't support herself when they got out on the land. The moment she righted Joni, Joni would fall over. It was then Joni and her sister realized as they stared at her useless limbs, she had been paralyzed. She had actually broken her neck diving into the bay. And from that day to this, Joni was paralyzed from the shoulders down. That fall... While her friends were planning to go to college, Joni was fighting for her life, for her sanity. And through the years, Joni came to a conclusion that her pain, her suffering was God's way of working a change in her. She said, all those years I've been in this wheelchair has taught me that suffering is that good sheepdog 
always snapping at my heels and driving me into the arms of the shepherd. And for that, she said, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. She's authored a couple of dozen books and started all sorts of programs for the disabled. She's co-chaired president's prayer committee. She's learned, she's learned, she's learned to be content by unlearning discontentment. Unlearning discontentment. You have to unlearn things like I got to have my own way. You got to unlearn trying to satisfy every want, every whim, every wish. You've got to quit looking to escape and say, I'm choosing contentment. It was in one of Joni's books. She gave her definition of contentment. Let me, let me share it with you. I think it's, I think it's apt. She said, contentment is a sedate spirit that is able to keep quiet as it bears up under suffering. It bears up. It forebears. It says, I choose to find fulfillment even here. I'm not waiting for another day, not waiting for my salary to double. I'm going to be content here. Windmills or tumbleweeds. There's a, some similarities between windmills and tumbleweeds. Both respond to the wind. Both are driven by the wind. But the similarities pretty much stop there because they are radically different. One is stationary. The other is not. One works. The other just rolls around. One lasts. The other vanishes. A tumbleweed has a life expectancy of one year. The other There's windmills in Holland that have been there for hundreds and hundreds of years. I think each of us must choose. Are we a windmill? Are we a tumbleweed? No person can ever be truly happy until they have learned to enjoy what they have and not to worry over what they don't have. There was a popular song when I was a kid. It was called Please Come to Boston. Um, And the guy's... The guy's run away from his hometown in Tennessee, and he's writing to his girlfriend, trying to get her to join him wherever he is. Please come to Boston for the springtime. Then he goes to Denver. Please come to Denver for the snowfall. Then finally, he's gone from the East Coast to the Continental Divide, and he's out in on the West Coast in L.A. and uh, talks about the stars up on the hills. And she says, Ramblin' Boy, why don't you settle down? L.A. ain't your kind of town. There ain't no gold. There ain't nobody like me because I'm the number one fan of the man from Tennessee. In other words, discontentment drives you farther and farther from home. Where is home? you got to settle that in your mind. you got to sink some roots. You've got to say, I'm going to stay right here and respond to the wind and not be driven by the wind. I'm going to do something. Proverbs 27, 8 says, as a bird that wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wanders from his place. I've got to find my place. And I believe post-pandemic, you've got to find your place and learn the gain that only comes through losing. Suffering is having what you don't want and wanting what you don't have. Joni said that. If you could somehow subtract your wants from the equation, you'd have contentment. Contentment becomes the means of equalizing your desire and circumstances. 
That's what Paul said in Philippians 4, 17. Not because I desire a gift, I desire fruit that may abound to your account. It's all about fruit. It's not about our wants. It's about being fruitful in all things. And that's what Paul rejoiced about was he rejoiced in the Lord and he rejoiced in other people's fruitfulness. We need to get better at subtracting. I, I know we were supposed to learn that in elementary. We're, we're better at adding and adding and gathering and multiplying and assembling. And we just don't know how to subtract. Paul said we brought nothing into this world. We're going to leave with nothing. But the dash between the year of our birth and the year of our passing is just full of adding things. It should be a, that dash looks like a subtraction symbol. Why don't in this life you subtract some hurt? I think it'd be good. Subtract being around situations, circumstances, people who hurt you. Subtract those situations from your life and add some peace of mind. Subtract things. I read a book. Don't read this book. Please do not read this book. It's called Simplify. Oh, ouch. Oh, ouch, 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 ouch. You'll find out how little you subtract things from your life. Subtract comparisons. Don't compare yourself with others. I read of a man who was envious of his friend's home. So he put his on the market, started looking for another house and finally read of the house of his dream, called his realtor, read the description to her. And she finally said, well, sir, that's that's your house we that we put on the market. Quit comparing yourself. Learn to subtract. Learn to subtract. Paul talked about this in his second letter to Corinth. He talks about how the Christian life is such a contrast as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing all things we do. Subtract things, subtract circumstances, subtract toxic relationships. And always find your sufficiency in the Lord Jesus Christ. The world's hardest word is enough. Proverbs 30, there are three things that are never satisfied. Yea, four things say not it is enough. The grave, the barren womb, the earth that's not filled with water, the fire that saith not, it is enough. Enough is the world's most difficult word. The meaning of the word contentment, though, carries the idea of sufficiency. And with God's grace, everything is sufficient. We can say we have enough. Paul said in Colossians 2 that in Jesus Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. With Jesus, we got enough. We got enough. R.M., Paula, we've got enough. Zane, Roxanne, we got enough. We've got enough to get by and to see our lives through. Windmills, windmills have been there for hundreds of years in Holland, drawing water, pumping water, doing work, responding to the wind, putting up sail to catch more wind, tumbleweeds, life expectancy a year, rolling across the plain, spreading more seeds for future tumbleweeds. I think we have to find a place and say, this isn't perfect. This isn't everything I had hoped for, but it is enough because I'm going to be a windmill and not a tumbleweed. I'm going to unlearn discontentment.
say a prayer again today for the Porter family. Would you leave your prayer requests out to the side? Lillian, thank you for being a part of this today. Renee, Dawn, thank you. Leave your prayer requests. Encourage one another. Hey, MD family, I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. And may God be with you today. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.